We are presenting here. Why I'm so serious? Hi, people. How are you doing? Hey, how are you? We're back. <laughs> Sorry, people. I don't know Let's why. have a coffee and talk. <laughs> I was actually thinking about how the, why should it be so... Anyways, we are going to introduce an amazing story today, right? And uh, it's going to be the story of Tom and Luba. And they were actually riding around. They, in general, they ride around the world with their two dogs, Lolo and Phoebe. And it happens because they are something like animals, pets puppies lover they, it happens that you they go around and they rescue animals right and uh, why do you choose to to have them there i think that you have a kind of a story about that yeah i mean I th we think that it's uh, something that um, just happened whenever you travel in general especially to cyclists there's always so many encounters with dogs um and we we also had an experience ourselves some years ago so following their story was um, very relatable on our side and we really want them to talk about their own experience and what they do in those situations which we think will be very useful for the many people that will eventually get out there on the road again and, and cycle anywhere in the world yeah yeah it's such a common thing it's such a shared burden if i may call it that you can meet stray animals out on the road as a cyclist and because you're not in a car you most likely see them smell them hear them mm. or whatever and you're attracted to it and it's something that uh yeah many people struggle with when they're cycling out out somewhere um, and they see a stray animal they don't know what to do they don't know if there's any infrastructure in the country they don't know about themselves and taking this uh, animal dog cat whatever uh, with them so it's it's a hugely important conversation that is not always so openly done um and yeah this uh, this <laughs> this recording is just amazing so yeah, yeah they're yeah. they're two champions we're super super happy they made it to the book um and can yeah teach and show people how to uh, how to do this properly i just want to ask you uh really quickly uh how did you get in touch with them how did you find them I believe that the, in this case we just like it was the Instagram algorithm that put them on our way. Was it uh, during our puppy rescue project? Did we? Did we Maybe yeah. I, I believe we we know we follow their story already for quite a long time when yeah. they were like they were already in South America. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, I think it might have had something to do with our own puppy rescue in Tajikistan, which we'll talk about later. Um, that. Uh, when something like that happens, you go on social media, you know, we made a big project out of it, but generally people try to find info in that way. And so I think for us, they showed up there. And then, yeah, later later on, when we started this whole list for 50 ways and really shuffling through all the options we had, they came back and we realized we have to put them in. They're so special. Their story is so important. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much how we found them i think well i would say that you made a great job on having them there and i can tell you actually from already had listened to their story because as i'm saying all the time we are actually recording this intro after the interview and the interview was super amazing and you really it's understand why, it's why you sounded so serious in the beginning yeah yeah <laughs> you probably. were processing yeah, yeah yeah i was processing it was such you know actually if i can just give a little drop of hint there the thing that actually made me really uh think about that you don't need so much in order to help the strays that are around 
bring some more food or if you have some more food with you just give it to them this is already something that you can do in order to keep them alive and in a better condition for a bit of time because also the strays need to be strong to be around and to be on the road right. so right yeah like a tick uh, tick removing set uh flea drops I would even say, I don't think we talked about it in India, for any cyclist in India, there is a, a kind of powder that you can use against maggots because maggots yeah. are really, really present in wounds. Uh, when animals get wounded, maggots come, it's flies laying their, their eggs and then the maggots come out and they start eating. And if you have this particular powder, I think within like half a day, it uh, kills the, the the maggots and you can just tape it off and then clean the wound. And that already does such a huge favor to the animal. So, yeah. <laughs> Lots of tips. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> I, I don't think we mentioned that. So No, that's great. That's great. Well, people, I just want you to mention the last thing and then we can start with the recording also because it's going to be another couple of hours of talking. So people will enjoy it and will have fun. Tell us a bit more about your project of uh, taking some of your earnings that are coming from the book and give it to some organizations that are taking care of all of us as cyclists and the whole community of travelers around the world that we are. Actually, the two are more than me. Yeah. I'm a talker. I'm in the community of the talkers. We're, we're all part of it. Yes. Everyone listening, you, us. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so it, I'm happy you bring it up. It's uh, it's an important part of 50 Ways because it's such a big community project. And from the start, we thought this was going to be a really necessary thing when we make this book happen. And it's that when you purchase a copy, a signed copy, through my website, tristanbogart.com forward slash shop, there you can find it, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, because when we write, we can't actually send copies. Anyway, Um <laughs> <laughs> but they can enjoy Just, your amazing stories on your social medias. So, yeah. <laughs> you do, so you're going to get the book a bit later, but still you can enjoy other things. Right, right. <laughs> you can order one for Christmas, depending on when you're listening. Yeah. But, uh, well, uh, the, the profits that come from our side, from this signed copy sale, we keep them for yeah organizations related to cycling. Uh, we are weighing heavily towards warm showers because it has had such a huge positive impact on the whole cycling community. Uh, if not, you know, growing it uh, itself. So we are super happy with, with warm showers. It's meant a lot to us. And for the people inside 50 Ways, that is a similar thing. And otherwise, an organization related to cycling, such as World Bicycle Relief, maybe even one of the participants' own uh, charities or organizations that they participate in. It's a bit for the future, but it's a big part of this book because it's uh, yeah driven by community. That's great, people. Shall we give it a go? Shall we talk with uh, Lube and Tom? Let's yeah, do it. Let's see what we can learn. Yeah. <laughs> now and then is three, two, one, clapping hands. Oh, yeah. Let's try again. Sorry. I will go again for three, two, one. Well, episode number four of the chapter number 50. Thanks a lot to be... be ah, I can say that properly because probably now, I, as I was saying before, I got so many coffees. So thanks a lot to Tristan and Belen for having me part of this amazing project. And uh, to continue with this, how is the name of it? 50 Ways on the Broom Wagon. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hi. Hey. <laughs> 
you got it right. Yes, yeah, because I, it's written. It's written here. But actually, probably the guest, <laughs> our guests of today, they should not know how dyslexic I am on uh, uh, putting together names and having problems with memory. This was actually a problem that probably I got when I was in the primary school and I was using too, using too much the automatic calculator. But that's another story. Because today we're going to talk about chapter number fifty and five zero fifty. And we're going to talk with Luba and Tom. And it's a super amazing chapter of traveling the world with some amazing company. But let's talk about that in a minute. How are you doing, Luba? How are you doing, Tom? Hey, hello. Thanks for having us. Hello, hello. Yeah, thank you for being here and for actually introducing today something that it's really nice. And actually, it's something that is also super close to the heart of Belém and Tristan. So we are going to talk about traveling around the world with little friends, little puppies, little animals together with you. Plus rescuing everybody. And actually, let's put it in this way, any animals that has... It was in the need of some support on your road. And that's super great. And that's something that I think is also super close to the heart of uh, Belém and Tristan, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know the story, Stefano. I know the story, but I think <laughs> I'm going to let you talk about that. I don't know if you're going to talk about that during the interview or you already talked about that in the intro of this episode. Let's see what is going on. Yes. Well, if we did talk about it in the intro, then you can skip this part. Just tap the 15 seconds or 30 seconds ahead uh, button. Uh, and if not, then yeah, we did a puppy rescue project, which was less significant than what Luba and Tom have gone through in order to rescue animals. But nonetheless, we uh, rescued two puppies from Tajikistan when we were cycling there, almost done, uh, heading for Dushanbe, the capital city. We found two puppies in a ditch. Um, and yeah, to basically in a nutshell, we, uh, we took them with us to the Netherlands, which was a whole other story logistically very heavy and uh yeah i'm sure as people that have rescued animals uh, uh on their bike travels before may know that it's a big challenge but uh it offers a, a big reward because you get to see them flourish uh the animal that you rescue and yeah it's something that is close to our hearts also because it is uh an inherent part of bicycle touring of traveling the world by bike any one of us who does that uh, has basically a chance, a fair chance, at meeting an animal one day who is in need of our help. And that is a, a choice many of us find really difficult to make. Am I going to help or am I going to keep on cycling and have this dog, cat, donkey, whatever running behind me? Uh, it's, a, it's a tough thing, but it can also be a really beautiful thing. And yeah, it, we're so happy to talk about it in large on this podcast today because uh, the chapter in 50 ways of Luba and Tom uh, is really short and so we're really happy to uh, to talk about it uh, in such an extended form. Today. That's super great. So maybe we can start from here, by the way, uh, into something like, uh, on parentheses, in little brackets, uh, there is also a video about yourself rescuing the two puppies, right? It's in, uh, on YouTube. Uh, am I wrong, Tristan? Yeah. Yeah, we made a YouTube video. Um... What what is the name? I think it's <laughs> puppy rescue. Yeah, I think it's uh, we rescued two puppies from Tajikistan. Yeah, we explain like. how we did it, um, and we just tell people if you were in the same situation, just ask us. Maybe we can help. Maybe not, because every situation and country is uh, different, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I think it's the same for for you guys, Lubantom, because you you must get many messages uh, from people asking you like I. 
I found some animal and how do I do this? How do I go about this? Uh, I'm not quite sure if directly, but now because we know some other people who travel uh, with animals, not only by bike, but also uh, other means of transport. So there's kind of a big community then. Last time, I think just a week ago, uh, there was a Polish couple traveling um, with a van and they were in North uh, Macedonia and they, they found a puppy there. So there was kind of a bigger discussion how to do this. And thankfully, then they found a local rescue there who is after, after the animal is fit to travel. Um, they are sending them mostly to the UK, uh, to the Netherlands as well, basically somewhere to the Western Europe, I would say. Yeah, that's great. Maybe, yes. Can you give us a little intro about yourself, Luba and Tom? Would be super great, I think. <laughs> yeah, okay, so uh, how old are we? I'm 33, Luba is 35. Well, you can talk about yourself. Yeah. Okay, so Luba is uh, 18 still. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> and we are originally from Slovakia, but we lived uh, yeah, a lot of places, Prague, London, up and down. And uh, we are professionally both doctors, uh, which now we are back to work. Mm-hmm because of uh, the current situation, of course. Uh, but back in 2017, we basically packed everything. We were living in London for the previous three years. Uh, we sold almost everything. Uh, the rest put on the bicycles and uh, set out on the road with uh, Phoebe and Lolo, our two pups. Uh, we started in Vancouver and plan was to go all the way down to Ushuaia. Perfect. So from Canada, basically, to Patagonia. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. And uh, yeah, maybe also to step a little back. Ah, before stepping a little back, I'm actually moving actively around because I'm looking for that. Sorry for the noise. But actually, Tom, you just mentioned that because of the situation, so Corona, you are now working pretty full-time at the moment. So you said Corona, so I'm dropping one coin, that is one Swiss franc, on my <laughs> COVID uh, swear jar. And all the time that actually anybody <laughs> talks about Corona, curfew, quarantine, lockdown, current whatever. Current situation is another keyword. Yeah, it's true. Thank you, Ban. The past yeah. year. La- last year, also this year is basically... 2020, 2021, I'm also in this list. <laughs> I dropped in a coin there. And so at the end of this season of the broom wagon, all the money that I collected in my uh, swear jar are going to go to an NGO that is Sea-Watch, who is rescuing people in Central Mediterranean, actually. It's taking care of refugees that they most uh-huh. of the time lose their life uh, on, this, on traversing yeah. the Central Mediterranean. So... I don't, let's say, talking about COVID can be depressing because we are in this situation all together for a bit of time. But also on the other side, if we talk about that and I drop a coin, I'm anyway super happy because I'm uh, supporting a cause that I really like. So just a little intro on that. Um, and you've just you've just mentioned COVID one more time and I did another time. So there's two more coins into the box. Uh, let me do that. Let me do that. Let me do that. I don't have so many for today. Yeah. <laughs> 
Perfect. <laughs> you know that it's super crazy Starting because strong. I ne now just to give you I don't know details that probably they're not useful useful but yeah let's say that uh, because actually I'm paying everything with the card I never have cash and even less I have coins with me all the time that I need to go to the post office for dropping some uh, uh, letters or whatever I go there and then I go there something like can you give me some coins I'm gonna pay them with the card and now all the time that I'm going there they actually know they they are prepared or having something like a bit uh, a, a little bag with some one euro one Swiss franc coins so actually I can use it for that so also them also people at the post office knows the story and that's amazing um, so yeah super great actually the knowing that you are by basically people that are that lived all around the world and uh, with a passion with bicycles and I think as well also for uh, little puppies and also the, the, any kind of size of puppies but uh, talking about bicycle, how did you get into cycling people and traveling with a bike as well? So it dates back uh, to the university times. 2010, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we were, you know, we weren't wealthy students. So we had to figure out how to spend uh, some time of, of our holidays actually seeing a little bit of Europe and not spending a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So... I don't remember exactly how, but we somehow uh, basically got into a bike touring website, Czech website, and there we picked a route from, from Prague uh, down to Vienna. Uh, and that's how it started. And at that point, we actually had one dog. It was my uh, poodle. He was like six kilos. So already at that point, we figure out how to, how to take him with us. And that was in a basket on the, on the rear rack on my bike. Okay, okay. And now basically all that... No, because everything started for, uh, with your trip from Canada to uh, Patagonia, where you decided to bring uh, Lolo and Phoebe with you. How were you doing before, actually? When actually, I don't know, you had just uh, one of them or just only one or the both of them. How were you doing when you were traveling around Europe? It was just... Something like leaving them there to somebody was dog sitting them or so if if it was only like a short trip like a weekender or you know like a five six days uh, where we didn't really want to take them because there was usually a flight involved. Mm -hmm. uh, usually we had friends or someone from the family come, but not with come the bicycles over, uh, and stay with them. So that's for the trips without the bicycles. Yeah, uh, but if we were uh, if we went somewhere on the bike, yeah, they, we always take them. So okay. And we initially started. Sorry, we initially started with one dog for two years, mm -hmm. and then we adopted Phoebe. So we had two dogs at that point. Um, so it was the time when we bought the first trailer okay. to uh, put them in there. Uh, yeah, maybe something that can be also super cool. Can you just introduce? them so lolo and phoebe to us tell us a bit more about them who are they <laughs> so they are they are both uh adventure mats <laughs> so they are mixes um phoebe will be 10 years old uh, sometimes in august we don't know the exact date of birth for both of them uh, they are both from slovakia so actually phoebe we adopted when she was a puppy we found her on Facebook, on the Facebook page of, uh, of the shelter. And um, 
at that point we had that poodle uh, of mine who was getting older so we wanted to um, find him a friend you know to to be easier to get old for yeah, him yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and when he when he passed away um, Phoebe was always uh, with another dog so she was really used to uh, having company and we also kind of got used to um having two dogs instead of one because dog is a pack animal so it's much easier even for the dogs usually to to be in in pairs or or bigger packs than than just one so we found again uh, at that point we already lived in mm-hmm. london but uh in uh, british shelters the most of the dogs were either like um Pitbulls or or Stafford uh, mixes or really big hounds okay. and, and nothing nothing else. So we again searched on on Facebook and found a found a shelter in Slovakia. And actually, Lolo at that point was one year old. He was uh, in a foster care, which was perfect for us because we knew that he is uh, used to live in a live in a house, live in a flat. He was actually living at that point with two cats, so he, he was kind of a cat dog when he when we brought him uh, home, and uh, we traveled by car from London to to Slovakia with Phoebe to introduce introduce them properly, and they they fell in love instantly. They went for a bath in the lake, and that was it. Oh wow, <laughs> that's you know, first first date, take it deep. <laughs> what else do you want? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, that's uh, it's super amazing, and uh, yeah, I really like actually also the uh, the thing that actually you are having the two of them together because then they actually can also stay together, live together, be in a pack together. Also, when they are by themselves, mm-hmm. and that's amazing. Actually, they are something like I don't know partners. That's what they are. Yeah, yeah. that's super great. Um. Well, I actually truly believe that the both of them, they are too adventure. They really like to stay outside with you and everything. What are they doing on the other side when you are working or when you are at home not cycling the world? Because that's what you do, basically. You cycle the world. Um, you know, they are both very adaptable, I would say. Uh, so, you know, when, when we are out, when we are cycling, they enjoy the outdoors. They run, they explore, uh, you know, every mud pool or anything they just go and dip in uh but while we are at home they can enjoy a nice soft sofa very much as well <laughs> and they and they did during the journey as well so every time when we stopped uh in a city and rented an airbnb or something they really like uh enjoyed the place as yeah. it was yeah. you know lay around lazy around all day and just you know don't give a care for anything just yeah having their peace of mind and body and just chill <laughs> uh, so that they are cool they really can you know uh you know get the best from the situation yeah 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 well it's super super crazy and super interesting actually that uh, yeah they are super adaptable and actually they adapt as well to your um to your lifestyle and that's great but We are talking then on this trip that you got that actually it was kind of a long trip wasn't it almost three years Yeah, planned for planned for a year and a half initially, though. <laughs> But you know That's how it South happens. <laughs> Everybody who goes to South America has. Uh... I think it was Mexico for us. It was Mexico. Yeah, Mexico kind of changed everything. Yeah, yeah. Because we we didn't really follow the route as we initially thought we would do, 
And then we ended up in the mountains in central Mexico. And then we realized, okay, so the rainy season is coming. And we actually ended up staying six months more in Mexico, making it altogether 51 weeks. <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's amazing. We're going to touch base in one second about that. But um, let's place everything in time. So you are there, you are ready to start. And uh, you are ready, ready to start your trip to South America with your two dogs. How did you put together your setup for the trip? Because as you were saying, uh, two dogs, two bicycles, a reasonable amount of luggage, I would say. What are we talking about? How did you set up all your needs for, for this trip that at that time was still planned to be one year and a half? So we actually had a lot of stuff already. We didn't have to buy much uh, to begin with. Uh, maybe we, we changed the sleeping bags and bought a, a, a new... set of panniers or something. But we, we had pretty much everything we needed from our previous trips. Including the trailer. Including the trailer. Okay. And we started with just a regular four panniers touring setup plus the trailer for for the for Phoebe and Lolo. Okay, okay. Can we can we talk about the trailer for a second? I'm really curious how did you find uh, the trailer you used? If it if it was just a a random choice or if you uh, went online and checked blogs and really tried to find a, a good trailer because from our experience meeting pet owners who cycle, finding a trailer is not the most easy thing because you have mm -hmm, to think mm -hmm. about wheel strength and how much weight. it vibrates the weight for yourself etc yeah you so actually actually the first trailer was um meant for dogs it was from a german company cruiser oh, yeah. and that one um we bought already at that point when we uh adopted phoebe so it was quite old And it didn't have suspensions, but it was for uh, for normal road. It's it was okay. It didn't really because we we put nice thick mattress, and for normal like asphalt, it's okay. Yeah, well, when we were buying it, it was meant for you know European roads and European cycle paths, so you don't need really think about bumpy roads and something. Yeah, from time to time, there's a curb or a pothole or something, but nothing too serious. Uh, and uh, yeah, as Luba mentioned, we put uh, nice white tires, you know, on the lower pressure and uh, thick foam mattress inside. So uh, it was actually pretty comfy, I think, for them inside. Yeah, but then, then maybe like 10 months into the trip, we um, realized we want to get more off-road. So uh, um, we started researching the, the trailers and we also, at that point, we were changing our setup um, into from, from cycle touring into the bikepacking kind of. Uh, so at that point, we found a child trailer, actually, uh, again, made by Cruiser, uh, but um, a Czech, Czech company here makes super uh, special and great uh, working uh, suspensions for for those uh, for those trailers they gave us very nice discount on that we basically bought um, their uh, model that they are using in the shop you know to 
to uh, show the people how it's yeah. working. And uh, we use this one, and it really works perfectly on 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 any bumps or any off roads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know the old American Cadillacs, how they go when you know, like wave through the curves and the corners. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's how the suspension works on the trailer. Oh, wow. wow, that's the dog Cadillac. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the truth is that on a real, you know, like. Um, proper trails they are basically running all the time they ran uh through the whole ecuador <laughs> so practically yes. yeah because that's another thing that i wanted to ask you because i can completely feel the point that especially uh, i don't know for long stretch and uh, maybe in situation whether you are close to the road or anyways even if it's not a tarmac uh, but it's pavement or whatever there can be some cars and whatever i can understand that they prefer to stay in the trailer but How does it work? They also run a lot. Actually, I have here in front of me uh, the book and I can see a lot of pictures, at least, yeah, a good 80% of the picture where the two of them are just outside and enjoying the, you cycling and they're enjoying the walk, let's put it this way. So that's what they do. They basically just run around when everything is a bit safer, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's another reason why we decided to go more towards the bikepacking to get more off-road also for them to, you know, enjoy enjoy the environment and everything more because we can't, we couldn't just let them run uh, along on the, you know, in between the traffic, so... It must have been a, a an interesting change for you then because this this was all in Mexico, right? You, you swapped mm-hmm. the whole kit? Yeah. Um, you took quite a lot of time there, I guess, to to receive everything, and you did quite a few other things as well. But when you got into the, let's say, the the next leg of the journey, then with the bikepacking setup um, and the the suspended trailer, did you end up still liking it, or because you shredded weight from your bike, you thought, oh, I, we should have maybe done the same for the for the trailer, or or gotten rid of it at all? What what was your thinking there? Well, you know, the the trailer is also a safety measure. So um, there's a lot of strays or there's a lot of dogs running out of the houses in in, uh, Latin America. So if we are somewhere on an open road like that, it's, it's safer for the dogs to be in the trailer as well. It's also, um, we ended up using it um, as a precautionary measure. So, for example, we put um, valuable stuff uh, like the computer and the passports and things like that into the trailer because if something would happen, like a robbery or something, we would try to persuade the robbers to at least leave us the trailer. You know? With the dogs, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's smart. That's nothing really happened, right? No, not, not in this um, kind of... Not, that, not that directly, we, no that we would be uh, threatened. It didn't. But a classic uh, thief kind of thing happened. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Something like pickpocketing or stuff like this. Ma- yeah, when when we were camping a couple oh, of times. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, yes, these are stuff that I, yeah, actually can happen. But fortunately, nothing really massive of, or crucial happened. And that's yes, great. Yes, we, we really didn't feel... Um, threatened or unsafe at any point i would say no not really no and what about the the first leg of the journey the 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 part from canada to mexico 
Was that very different from the the rest that came after? Yeah, I, I, with with the infrastructure, it's it's completely different. Maybe the mentality of people. Yes, <laughs> uh, just yes. <laughs> so first of all, uh, we stayed more in the civilization, I would say, um, because we stayed on the roads. Um, then we used a lot of warm showers. Um, what else? And, uh, we we spoke the language. We spoke the language because when when we entered wow. Mexico, we really didn't speak much Spanish. Yeah, we learned on the way down. <laughs> and so, I guess also you must have had a lot of attention from people around you, because carrying dogs is not the most usual thing. Being on a bicycle at all is not the most usual thing, and then carrying two dogs as well. Well, you know, first they don't know what's in the trailer. If it's a if it's a child or if it's if it's a dog, yeah, both ways. It just both comes. ways can be curious, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When when we stopped to do shopping, always somebody would come to to chat to us. We had a little um, a little table on on the bike, saying from Canada to Argentina. So people would come and chat to us about that. In the U.S., it would happen a lot that they would be like, hey, are you not scared to go to Mexico and you better buy a gun and stuff like that? Uh, and um, it was more, I just think we didn't have so many um, human encounters in Canada and uh, and the U.S. as down to the south. And that's because that's because um, the the people are a little bit different. It's the same as here in Europe. They are not because they even though uh, traveling on bicycle with the trailer is something uh, not ordinary, but still uh, Americans or Canadians or Europeans have seen that more than than people down in Nicaragua. <laughs> When you talk about uh, human encounters, uh, you are talking about also the feeling of humanity, because I truly believe that actually approaching down South America, anyway, Central America and South America, as you were saying, people are a bit more curious and whatever, but also the human interaction was different. People wanted really to, I don't know, to have a bit more uh, conversation, chitty-chatting or offering food or anything like this, right? So it was a bit more uh, on two sides, the two-sided kind of interaction uh, situation more than maybe on the other side, just curiosity and asking some question like it was in North America. Mm. It's very it's very mm. warm to yeah. be there. Like, like you can feel. Yeah, but it also depends, you know. Uh, uh, I remember in Canada... The three days. Uh, there were three days in a row uh, where someone randomly just picked up, picked us up and set up uh, set us up for the night. Yeah, just you like know? that. <laughs> we just, uh, one night, we just, uh, there was all just farmland along. So I went to one house and I was like, hey, just we're on the bikes and can we just stand there by the gate? because there was not really uh, it was on uh, the hillside yeah there so were hill and down in the valley there were just you know fields grass fields yeah. and stuff and they were like yeah I mean of course you can but wouldn't you rather spend the night inside in a bed wow 
it was wow. like a yeah like a retired couple you know and they had a room uh from their daughter there in the house and they just offered this to us <laughs> it was amazing That's yeah. amazing <laughs> uh, just actually also there in order to place the trip on the map. So you basically went on the west side of uh, North America, right? From Canada to Mexico. It was everything made actually on, uh, on, the, west, on the west side. Yes, uh, but not as you would imagine just following the, the Pacific coast. We actually from Vancouver, we actually went a little bit. Um, so first of all to Vancouver Island. And then uh, we went back uh, to mainland and from there a little bit to the north, actually, on our way south. So we were heading to Jasper and Vance National Parks because we wanted to cycle the, the Icefields Parkway there. And from there, we then turned south and went to the U.S., to Montana. And then in the U.S., we did a big S. Big S yeah. yeah. So from Montana, we went back to the, to the Pacific Coast cycle down Oregon and a little bit of uh, California. California and from there again turned inland and went to Nevada, Utah and Arizona and uh, from Arizona back to Southern California and there we crossed to, to, to Mexico. Yeah. I, I wish we would have done that route personally. <laughs> when we <laughs> cycled there, the, we just did the West Coast and going inland would have been a lot, lot better. Seems yeah, and we actually that we actually wanted to do a little bit more inland, like uh, the Cascades yeah. and that kind of um, and the Crater Lake and stuff. But uh, that season there was a lot of white wildfires, so we had to change the route. And uh, we heard that uh, the Crater Lake is just you know one big kettle full of smoke, and you won't see any anything anyway. So yeah, we, uh, we, we had to went. be very flexible yeah. uh, that summer. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah no i'm checking actually the map where you are talking and yeah it's uh yeah it's a really way because at the end of the day you're really going inland so probably also the the landscapes are changing a bit more often the mountains are amazing yes yeah i can completely mm -hmm. see that um still continue talking about your trip together uh with your two dogs I'm super curious about that. And then we are going to move actually on the second part of the conversation. Uh, but into the book that is actually probably where I'm talking really in a situation where you, you people are listening to this podcast in a couple of months from now, but actually just today. And then talking about April the 26th, uh, um, the first post of the presentation of the book came out on the 50 ways uh instagram account and there is also exactly that photo and actually the photo that i mean here there i can see uh, luba and tom with two amazing okay with the helmets and in cycling clothes and with the two amazing sunglasses and then there are also lolo and fibe with an amazing mask on their face that is also i can see that completely customized and completely perfect for their needs you made it yourself. Doesn't it feel like a like a movie? It's so cool. It's like a movie. It's so cool. And there's the four of you. There's you are super focused. Tell me more about special equipment for uh, the two ones, for the two dogs, for Lolo and Phoebe, because I can see completely that they really needed for their eyes, because I think that there the sun was super bright. But it was really perfectly custom made. Tell us more about this mascot in general for something that you have to made yourself for their needs. So actually, it looks like it's it's custom made, but it's a it's a brand. Um, oh, 
that makes sunglasses for okay. dogs. It's based on you can you can see it's based on the regular ski goggles, but I think it's more sh- like the shape fits better um, to the um, to the head of the dog. And we actually decided to to get this because we knew we are going to Salar de Uyuni in Bolivia, which is salt flat and it's super super uh, uh, bright. And actually, there uh, were cyclists who got blind because they cycled they cycled this salt flat without the the sunglasses, like blind for a couple of days. It's not uh, forever, mm-hmm. but still. And then we also knew that we were going up to the volcano, which is going to be really high up and stuff like that. So we were using these sunglasses really just for the for the special places we went to. We didn't really put um, it on them or regularly, like, like on every beach or no. something, but for, for the special occasions that we felt are out of ordinary with it. And also we had little booties uh-huh. <laughs> for them, which they, they hated, like really they hated them. They look like uh, two little clowns when they are wearing them, especially Phoebe. But unfortunately, there are, there are surfaces that they, they need these booties, like uh, volcanic sand and what else, a uh, special kind of gravel that is very, uh-huh. very sharp. Very sharp. And also on the, on the salar, as it is, it's, you know, it, it is a salt flat, but the salt crystals, yeah, it's crystal. It's quite sharp as well. So, so just well, to protect their, just to their protect feet, the feet, the paws, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's great. Another thing that actually comes into my mind, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not, unfortunately, I love dogs, but I've never, I, I never live with one of them. Uh, but usually the thing that I listen to all my uh, friends that have dogs and stuff is that, okay, uh, dogs, they need their own food. Actually, don't give them the food that you're also having and whatever. But how did you make, actually? How did you organize uh, your trip also with their food you were just grabbing food around and eating the same things or really there was this kind of thing or no they all they need their own food and we need our own ones well most of the time they had their own food uh it happened a couple of times that uh, somehow we couldn't find a place where to where to find uh, where to buy uh, dog food or it was Sunday and everything was closed yeah. or something like so, that so so we prepared uh, funny things like uh oats with banana and peanut butter. peanut butter or can of tuna or something like that. Um, but like this was easy in, in Canada, in the US, in Mexico as well. In Mexico because in, in, in bigger cities you've got like big, uh, big uh, pet supermarkets where you can buy basically whatever you can find in, in Europe as well. Okay. So not only not only pedigree kind of food that is most like cere- mostly like cereal <laughs> Can see that. and but then we are we are quite lucky because they uh they don't have sensitive stomachs or anything like that so they can eat anything that doesn't eat them and they most of the time are fine okay okay another thing that actually and this came into my mind by reading uh, a couple of lines into the book and it was actually that seems like also you can have some problems on crossing the borders right so when you're crossing the border with your traveling with uh, your dog your little friends you are actually you can be put in quarantine and blah 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 
how was this for you? Was it easy or not? And by the way, little brackets also here. I said quarantine, not in order, not related to the C <laughs> word, but related to all the policies at the border. To ask. No, no, no. This is pretty no, clear. No, this is pretty clear. It's yeah. not related. So we, we can't, we don't count. We don't count that. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks enough. a lot, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, initially the whole trip was planned uh, with this in mind. So uh, that the borders, uh, border crossings with them should be more or less uh, hassle, well, I wouldn't say hassle-free, but uh, they wouldn't require uh, any specific any specific treatment or quarantine for the dogs. Uh, so, um, but still, you need to go, you know, have a, a vet check before the every border crossing. And they, uh, in all the dogs in European Union, they have their uh, small pet passports. Mm -hmm where you document all the vaccines and all the anti-warm treatment and anti-flea and whatever, uh, all the stamps. So you need to have this uh, checked by the vet and then you just flush it. Most of the times you just flush it on the, on the border or you have a special uh, document from whatever agricultural government body in the country that... Uh, you need and just cross the borders. Okay. Which country was most uh, complicated to prepare, prepare for? Costa Rica. Costa Rica. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. So actually, okay, we smuggled the dogs in Costa yeah, we Rica. Yeah, ended up smuggling them through. Um, because the lady that was at the border was really the most um, unhelpful. Unhelpful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> Let's put it in a nice way. This, uh, it, it like it depends on the person who's in front of you with border yeah, crossing, so, you know, with like tra public transport. They they can see that these dogs are probably the healthiest dogs in the whole Latin America. Looking at the situation uh, at the streets, and still she can make your life very horrible and sad. So um, there are some countries that actually uh, don't require only uh, the document from the vet. But uh, then uh, for this document to be sent to usually to the capital or at least region capital and be uh, stamped by this agricultural agency, mm -hmm. it takes at least like three to four days, depending, at least. depending on the manana approach, you know. Uh, so we decided to, uh, to give it a shot without this because we didn't want to um, wait around. And, and we knew this could happen, so, so we risked it, and uh, she didn't like it. But it was, it was quite late uh, at night, so we just uh, waited around a little bit, and she went home, and then we crossed the border. Because actually they, they fulfilled everything, you know. They had all the vaccinations, they had all the deworming treatments and everything that was required, just this one stamp was missing. So yeah, Also, we didn't find, uh, it, this was very specific for cent Central America, that you couldn't find this information anywhere, basically what the dog needs to get in and get out of the country. So we didn't know actually until a day or two before crossing the border that this uh, paper, the certificate from the veterinary, needs to go to be stamped at this official whatever. So uh, we didn't want and we didn't have time to wait for another, eh, who knows, a week maybe. So we said, okay, well, let's go. We'll see how it goes. And yeah. 
which just ended up waiting until until six, yeah. uh, and the lady went home and we crossed and it was fine. What is the, the worst that could have happened then? Like a police would stop you and ask you to show the papers. Would they even know what they are looking for? Well, I don't know. No, I, I, if, if it wasn't, we actually from... we actually got stopped by police, right? In in Costa Rica, like uh, like the they had second, a checkpoint. Yeah, the the next day after we crossed, and we were like, just be quiet, doggies in the trailer. Just be quiet. Wow. <laughs> so they want. Yeah, uh, I, I mean the the regular police, they would probably have no idea uh, uh, if they have someone from the, you know like the veterinary or someone with them and it will it would be a control specific you know for animals then maybe but the regular policeman has no idea you know what you need yeah and then you would flash the paper from veterinario and yeah okay okay gracias ciao. and then actually going down to chile and argentina they both uh, both countries accept European pet passports as as the document, so that's perfect. There, you just need everything in the pet passport from from the vet, and you don't need any other document. Yeah. So that that was easy because we had to cross the the border several times. And what about the uh, the the first like the for the for the start basically? How did you prepare for that in terms of the? the carrying the doggies with you on the plane and um, can be quite complicated for us. It was at least to take the, the plane from Tajikistan back to Netherlands. We had to yeah, do I, a lot of things and be really persuasive for people that were. Yeah, I guess it also depends a lot from where yeah, to where. From you know. Tajikistan to Europe, I imagine it's a, a bureaucratic nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Also, also when when we flew back when to Europe, when we flew back from uh, from Chile, well, from South America back to Europe, yeah, we we ended up uh, having them, uh, you know, having blood test for the rabies antibodies and uh, all these funny stuff, uh, which we didn't need and on this part because you know UK and uh, Western Europe is basically considered rabies free. Yeah. So uh, as so long as was, you have there was nothing special nothing really. Special. As long as this. you have regular vaccinations and stuff, no problem going from uh, Europe to US or Canada with with dog. And they they flew with you in the cabin or were Yeah, we managed those? we managed to to find a, um, an airline that would accept them just so so into the into the cabin. <laughs> Can we do a shout out to the Let's do that. I'm very curious. Yeah. How are they called? It was one of the low-cost ones, uh, something like... I don't remember. I don't remember, come on. Because it wasn't like the one that... Something, something that you Atlantic? would... Atlantic? No. Trans probably, something. Probably out of business now anyway after... <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. It was the it was one of the low-cost low cost airlines, so now 90% out of the business, unfortunately. Yeah, because it's super difficult to find uh, a plane company, let alone just a public transport company, when you are carrying an animal with you. I know, I know. Don't tell me. And actually, on the on the flight back, we ended up putting them down because it was such a fast um, last minute es es escape that we didn't really. We had to take what's what's on offer, and actually, a couple of uh, flights uh, had been cancelled. Our flight, so. 
they ended up flying uh, in the in the cargo or how to how to say. But thankfully, and now I want to give Big a shout out shout out to Lufthansa. They allowed us on the on the transatlantic flight from uh, Brazil to to Germany. They allowed us to put them into the one crate into one kennel. Because for Phoebe, Lolo is basically her emotional support animal. Yeah. So for her, it was much easier if she had her friend uh, by her side instead of, because some, some companies, they do require that uh, they ha- even if the dogs are from the same household, they have to be kept in, in two different uh, kennels. But they, they let, let them both into, because we had two huge ones, you know, there are, there are requirements that you have to fulfill. And actually the, the crate was very, very big for, for them. So they, they ended up very comfortably in, in one. And uh, it was great. Instead of, because we, we had to take um, two short flights before the, that big one to get, uh, to, get to Europe. And Phoebe was like a different dog. She was basically happy there, quiet, didn't cry at all. She was just like, yeah, nothing's happening. No pasa nada. <laughs> we, we had a, a similar experience coming from Tajikistan because it, it, uh, it's very difficult to find like the right kind of information when it comes to an airline. And when you do actually find it, there are so many factors that can still make it go the other way uh so in our case when we had rescued them they were small these they were puppies basically i think six weeks old something like that from our estimations and we got the papers in order passport like all the things uh we didn't do it exactly the way that you should do it but there was a lot of pressure for us involved we stayed longer we rebooked our flights and mm-hmm. um yeah made a whole thing out of it but basically we we felt the time pressure because they were growing super fast. Coming back on the dog food, like we found the pedigree stuff. <laughs> this one mall in Dushanbe, which had a basement and one pet shop in like all of Tajikistan, there was this one pet shop, and they had one bag in purple that fit within the dimensions of uh, Turkish Airlines in this case to carry them in the in the. Uh, people compartment yeah our problem was that the puppies were just slightly overweight to travel together and they wanted Mm -hmm. one of the puppies in cargo so we had to look for the the turkish airlines office in dushanbe we went there in person spoke with the manager like talked him into you cannot put a a, like a month and a half year old puppy in cargo and um yeah eventually we managed to convince them and they made an exception also for us and we put the puppies and maybe the same happened for you with Lufthansa in Brazil you said it was that you talk to like the right person or maybe the culture is a bit different people help each other out but the same happened for us in Tajikistan that we just first we talked to this manager guy and then he actually showed up in the airport I was like now I'm gonna grant you access so there was a sort of a network of people that looked out for us a little bit and we had the um, the uh, yeah it was it was a really bad situation but it turned out to be favorable for us it was the um the attack uh, on the cyclist in Tajikistan mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. in in 2018 uh, yeah. so 18 yeah that that was really shocking and it kind of threw the whole country off of its axle axle i think you call it and um it it made tourists sort of temporarily 
like holy grails basically everyone was apologizing to us and it was a really intense time for them as they rely on tourism so much and uh, the country re really wants to welcome cyclists uh, and other travelers so we had that pressure kind of be part of our puppy rescue mission and so we were let through in the airport super easily we didn't even have to show passports for ourselves uh, neither for the dogs so that helped a lot and yeah your situation in brazil in the airport did you do anything special and like anything recommendable that other people can use when they travel with uh, their pet animal by plane is there something you can recommend for that process Mm -hmm. if, if you travel with two you know uh, I, it was really a wild shot uh, uh, at the check-in counter for Lufthansa because there was uh, this young young guy uh, checking us in and uh, we just asked like I, politely I just asked, asked him, yeah. I just asked him you know like yeah, and by the way do you think there's any chance they could travel together for this long flight uh, and he was like yeah, give me a second. I'll go ask the manager. And the manager came and he was like, yeah, you know, you know them. If you think they're going to be fine, yeah, I don't see why not. So, yeah, wow. cool. And you're like, thank you. Yeah, yeah that like, was, you know, because yeah, it, it was, was nine, a nine a hour huge, flight. It was such a huge, you know, like the, the, literally uh, you feel the rock uh, that just falls. <laughs> yeah, no. The rock. The man with the hammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's uh, it's completely yes, it's completely up to really to the people there and something like be ready all the time to know how to. I don't want to put it in this way, but something like uh, to react or to act in order to convince these people. Because at the end of the day, if there is this kind of of flexibility, using it is is the way that you have to do because otherwise I can imagine completely of having just one of the both of them uh, together with you and the other one in the cargo of the bottom then down for a nine hours flight no come on it's not the best mm. yeah. in the in the end though we do uh, we do hope that this podcast actually inspires people to take their pet animal with them because uh, it's part of your your whole story absolutely so besides the the kind of the the logistical issues that you can have can you share some of the highlights that you simply wouldn't have lived without them along your journey well it's a, it's like an icebreaker to to have a dog with you so there's a lot of people coming to coming to chat uh of course children <laughs> all the time um then also because we had them with us it actually inspired us to go more off-road and to go into the real nature to put it like that you know to because um there's this famous panamericana that goes from from the north uh, to south and you can just follow it but um you will never see things uh that you see when you go on this really really bad uh, big road uh most of the time pushing your back uh, your bike uh uphill uh so and and for us, like the main the main push to get there was uh, where the dogs as well. Mm -hmm. Plus, camping with the dogs is a different experience. <laughs> yeah. And when it's when it's minus twenty and you've got two dogs in your sleeping bags, oh, you don't need anything else. <laughs> that's great. Like that's that's awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like the the situation of the last year made people get a dog. Now you're gonna you're gonna do the same for yeah. people that camp when they cycle. Don't don't get a thicker sleeping bag. Just bring a doggy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the meanwhile, this was another coin dropped into the, the jar. Uh, yes, yes, no, but it's good. <laughs> this situation. This situation, this oh, situation yes. Tristan, this situation. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Maybe I did <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, no, but yeah, it's super, it's really super interesting. It's really super great. And also, yeah, the, the icebreaker factor of having a puppy with you is always a super good thing. It makes you... Let's put it in this way. It makes everybody a bit more human and happy to share and happy to cuddle and ha talking about cuddling and uh, happy to have a little conversation on, uh, yes, on the, with a person with a dog. And that's super great. Mm, continuing on this conversation, because for sure, now we really talked about most of the time of the two, um, yes, or the two friends that you brought with you. So we're talking about Lolo and Phoebe. But actually also during your way, on uh, yeah, from the north to the south of the Americas, you also made a lot of these rescue missions. Let's put it in this way: you took care of a lot of uh, pets out there that were really yes, maybe struggling a bit more. Tell us more about that. Did you start it already with uh, this purpose, or you do it? You did it because actually it's something like that you are doing all the time that you are traveling in general that you are walking in general or <laughs> how was it basically and which one the difference for example from north to south or whatever tell us more about that basically we didn't start with the purpose but uh, at the beginning we already knew we'll probably end up doing something like this like this uh, once or twice because you know when you see uh, an, an animal in need yeah, we, we knew we wouldn't have heart to just, you know, turn around and walk away without doing anything. Well, actually, if you think about it, it happened to us in the past. Okay. Then in, we, we picked up a dog? Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. So but. we we were in Greece doing a road trip, uh, not not on the bicycles, but we rented a car for two weeks. And then the the, like, it was two days before our flight back to London. We, we found a puppy uh, on one curve, like uh, th there was no, no town, nothing. Uh, she was there on her own, really skinny. And um, it's, it's, I, I'll just uh, keep it short because there will be more stories coming in. <laughs> but we basically ended up uh, doing research. How can we do this? Because, again, we couldn't just pick her and take her straight away to the UK, nobody would accept uh, unvaccinated dog. Um, you know all the all the process. So we we had to find a place where she can stay because already we got in touch with our friend and she said, yeah, if you if you get her here, I would I will adopt her. So we found a, a rescue in Athens and we we paid for her stay there for all the veterinary care and she stayed there for three months and then after three months she was transported to uh, to the UK and still lives with our friend south of London. Wow. So that was our first experience. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I think that if you really try and uh, you basically say to yourself, I will do as much as possible to help this dog uh, 
uh, a person, whoever, there's this thing called karma. Yes, of course. That sometimes works very well. Again, as it was with your situation at the airport, things like this, we, we learned many times that it works. And this was, again, because we didn't have much time. We had like 24 hours to, to organize everything and it still worked out. Wow. So, so when we started, we, we didn't plan to, to do this as a, you know, as a rescue trip that we would save every dog. Because it's, it's, it's difficult when you are on the bicycle, you are in a new country, you don't have any uh, connections. Any connections? You don't know anybody, uh, so it's kind of tough to set up anything. So you, we always had to improvise a lot. And and the first uh, the first uh, bigger rescue happened in Honduras. It was a small town on the coast, and in the evening. Uh, Near the plaza, we just found a, um, a doggy girl, obviously, who had uh, puppies recently. And she was just lying there in the uh, doorway to, the, to one house, bleeding from her leg. Uh, the, the local said she was run over by car and that she won't make it through the night because it ran her over her belly and stuff. And so... Uh, I managed to get to grab her and uh, we put her into our into the doggies trailer while the doggies were put on the leash and were running along okay. us uh, in the in Latin America traffic uh, traffic in the city for them <laughs> and we we already had uh, we were already set up for the night uh, with bomberos with the mm-hmm. firefighters which is very common in Latin yes, America yes, yes. for cyclists and, and hikers. Yeah. And so we, sh- we, we went there first. We said, okay, can we, uh, okay, fine, sure. We'll just go and grab something to eat in the town and then we'll come back. And we came back and we're like, mm, guys, you know. We've got three dogs instead of two. We've got three dogs now. Is it a problem? <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. So we, we just ended up giving her some painkillers from our doggies first aid kit, a lot of water, and said, okay, if, if she makes it through the night, we'll take her to the vet. But the closest vet was 60 kilometers mm-hmm. down the road in the biggest okay. city in the region. So uh, the next morning, we packed everything up, uh, put the doggies in the trailer, and let them at the... At the firefighters, yeah. At the firefighter station in a nice shaded space, yeah. Like the the full setup, like the bikes and everything, and and our dogs stayed with the bomberos while while we took the dog and and went hitchhiking to to the next town. Wow. (laughs) So you basically left everything behind with the bomberos. Yes, yes. You told them we'll be back. (laughs) Yeah. Next day, or basically, I'll be I'll be back in the afternoon to get it. Yeah, you know, there's this kind of trust on both sides that nothing will happen. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, so we went. Uh, we've been in touch with the vet, so he was expecting us, and we showed up there. He examined her and said, "Okay, you can leave her here, of course, uh, and uh, we'll have a look." And he was like, "Okay, where are you staying?" And uh, well, th- you know. 
trying to figure out what was going to happen, how, and we said, now we need to go back to the town to get the bikes and then we come back. And he, he was like, yeah, okay, sure, come here. You can stay here in the cleaning overnight. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, so, cool. So the, the thing to mention, you have probably noticed that the, that the dog had puppies. Yes. Because uh, you could tell that, mm-hmm. um, you know, her, her breasts were, were big. But we had to make a decision, like either save this one dog or just let her back on the street. She wasn't basically able to walk. So it would be practically impossible. And she already was uh, at that point, like more than 12 hours, at least what we knew, away from, from those puppies. So we we had to sacrifice them somewhere. We had to make this super hard decision. Yeah, that was tough. Because, you know, the options were like uh, saving the one dog we had or uh, giving it a shot of very, very low chance of uh, having uh, the dog kind of give her some fluids or something, build up her strength a little bit, well, get yeah. her back, yeah. and uh, then follow her somewhere to find the puppies which at that point they would have been without their mother for 24 hours or something without food and stuff and probably already had a low chance of survival yeah. at that time. So yeah, that, that she, had, she had many, many ticks on her. So we thought, yeah, they must be somewhere in the bush. And They'll be somewhere in the bush hidden from everybody, you know, no way in, to find them anywhere. So, yeah, we had to say, okay, well, you'll stay here. Sorry, but yeah, yeah. yeah. and the yeah, and then what happened to her? So actually, uh, you left her to the doctor. You went back to the bomberos, picked up everything, and went back to the clinic. And then yeah, and we actually stayed two nights at the okay. clinic because we couldn't say goodbye to her so yeah. easily. And, and she the best, was... best thing about that was that he had a nice air conditioned <laughs> room when when we could sleep for the night. So I told you about karma. Absolutely, this is it as well. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because uh, um, along all this, you also have to think a bit about yourselves. Like you must have been sweating and tired yeah. and yeah. But but she really, thankfully, she didn't have any any fractures. Uh, actually, she ended up having. Um, arthroscopic um, she ended up having a surgery because she didn't have fractures but uh, then when after we left uh, she wasn't really using the leg so uh, they discovered she had a dislocated hip yeah so he had to um, so they did surgery to to put it back in place and after that uh, uh, she found a new home in a finca somewhere outside of town and uh we actually got some pictures later on. When she doubled her weight. When she doubled her weight and she was like a big uh, dog. <laughs> big happy dog in the in the street. That's super nice. <laughs> um, something that actually I'm curious to ask you is, uh, let's say, uh, I'm thinking about how to put it, but basically you actually took care of a lot of yeah animals there so pet animals out there uh while you were traveling which one was the favorite kit for sure i was reading in the book that 
you carried with you some extra food for sure water it was with you and something like tick treatment or stuff like this but which one was the basically the thing that you were carrying with you in order to take care of them like i don't think we had anything special special we just used what what we had for For, our dogs yeah because it's uh, yeah they don't need anything you know anything special they just need the the regular stuff which is regular for us in our setting here but there is quite extraordinary like you said like the Thick and flea treatment, yeah, so, for example. So if we bought more, you if know, because we, we, we used extra. to put it every every month, the, the fresh one. So we if we had more and we found a dog that was really in need of uh, of a treatment like this, we would just use it and then buy somewhere uh, a new one. Down, yeah. find, uh, buy a new one or you know, if we all basically always had extra food. So the dogs uh, that looked, you know, kind of uh, that they can take care of themselves and they are okay and in reasonable health uh, we just gave them some food and stuff and you know they are used to that kind of life and uh, another thing that you need to realize is that you just it's impossible to save them all yeah Uh, so uh, we did what we could for the ones we met and really the really injured and you know the the animals that would otherwise probably die without our help yeah we had to pick the worst looking ones because it's so many okay that you can't you would need like 10 kilos of food every day yeah (laughs) okay okay yeah because actually what's the let's say the most needed thing that they you had to do with them so something like just feeding them was the most important thing that Yes, you have to do, right? Well, I think the most needed thing you have to do with them is castration, Stefano, but you can't do that on Makes the rest of the Mobile castration kit. It's not, uh, not right there. Yet. No. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm wondering because um, I think it's a typical thing in between cyclists that when you feed, feed a dog in the street, many of them tend to then follow the cyclists. We've heard stories of dogs following cyclists for days and days and days and then eventually having to decide what to do to bring the dog or to just right, try to outrun the dog. And uh, yeah, we've heard yeah. some of the people... We ended running. up doing that as well. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so it just happened. Yeah, once, once I think only once it happened to us in Mexico, really. On Espinazo? On Espinazo del Diablo, on the road uh, from Mazatlan up to the mountains. Uh, there was this one really you know, nice, friendly doggo who just uh, decided, okay, I like you, I'll go with you on the main road up the hill. So, yeah. Hmm. Uh, uh, and going uphill, you do, you can't really outrun him, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Uh, so I tried, okay, like, I'll put some food here and in the time you eat it, uh, you know, we'll, we'll sit on we'll the escape. And, and escape. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, these guys are like uh, vacuum cleaners. They just go, <laughs> and, you know, all food is gone. And ketchup. <laughs> and, and ketchup in, you know, like flesh. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, this is bugging me up till today. I yeah, I had to, I ended up uh, throwing some uh, scones from the trees and stuff, you know, to, to chase him off, literally. Mm. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, such a, such a emotionally difficult situation we yeah. are getting 
sort of mentally ready for this. If all goes well, we'll be cycling the Balkans and, mm. and maybe Turkey. Oh, yeah. This yeah. Year. And yeah, the stories we heard, there's, there's bound to be a lot of uh, street animals. And like you say, most of them, they're used to the life. So you, you shouldn't really uh, mind it too much. But I'm sure that we're going to have a few cases where we think the same as, as uh, we'll be in the same position as that you were in. That you just, maybe uh, maybe uh, a little friendly advice: check the rescue organizations beforehand. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's a good yeah. approach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember we were doing this in Tajikistan, and there was no okay. infrastructure at all. Yeah. Mm. But I, I imagine yeah. that in the Balkans and and in Greece, there there should be already yeah. quite some infrastructure because it's where actually a lot of the dogs that, um, uh, and I assume also cats that people adopt here in the Netherlands. Come yes. from Turkey as well. Yes. Turkey as well. It's uh, yeah, most of the adoption, especially in Germany, they are coming from Turkey as well. So yeah. Actually, actually, so, sorry, sorry. I I just want to to do a little shout out now to one of the other participants in the book, uh, Paolo from Baikanin. He's uh, also in the book, and yeah, we put him in the chapter to travel with a dog, um, and he picked up recently uh, another dog in Turkey called pizza and mm-hmm. she she's now joining him on the bike so he um maybe like you did he he had a, a kind of a, a gift to to do these things right uh, i imagine that it's not so easy or not so doable for everyone to do this in the right way to get your senses straight and not be too emotional about it but keep on keep an eye out uh so yeah just wanted to mention that he he's in there and um yeah, he he does a similar thing to you there. Um, when it uh, when it came to finding like the infrastructure in a country, what you say about the the rescue organizations, what is the best way to go there? Do you do this before the journey? Do you ask people locally what the what the best places are, and how do you know you can trust the the organizations? <laughs> That's a very, very, very difficult question, especially the last one. How you can trust? How you can trust them, yes. Uh, well, you can read the reviews, you know. Uh, when we, we rescued a little kitten in, in Peru, and it was actually the first town um, where we arrived with her, where we checked for the local rescue, and reading the, the reviews on their Facebook page, we just decided, no, we can't, we can't leave you here. We have to take you with us and then uh, either like get to the next bigger town and find local organization there or something happens and something happened. So, <laughs> you know, karma. <laughs> yeah, well, I must say that also social media, at least for us, yeah. when our story did, but it's so helpful, especially whenever there's animals involved. Uh, we believe there's an even stronger reaction. But as an advice, I would recommend anyone, if you ever find an animal, just post it online and eventually it'll be shared and someone knows someone that someone can help eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually usually it works like that, yes. And also people helped us financially. Yeah, so we yeah, basically sure. put it that way, that if we, you know, if we use... Uh, all our budget on this then we would have to go home and wouldn't be able to help more so if you can at least like help us 
to like cover some of the costs. cover some of the costs then we will be able to, to, to help, help another one, when, help we another one when we when we meet them and basically people were like first of all in um south america and central america, and central america is nowhere the cost of the of the veterinary care is nowhere near us or or europe so we had all the money back within 24 hours yeah. and even in in bolivia we ended up doing like brain city for the dog there to see if there's a point in um, helping her further, uh, further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and still you know like it was for for local uh you know uh, prices it was expensive but you know for our european uh, prices how much was it actually i know it might have been something like maybe a hundred euro for a brain scan yeah. for, for the dog you know like in a in a human hospital in, in, in a human clinic <laughs> yes wow <laughs> yeah um another thing that actually i noticed into the book was that at a certain point it's not only about taking care about the animals itself but also trying to have a look on the people that are around them. I mean, actually, most of the time, uh, dogs are actually in this condition because somebody, as you were saying, for example, drive them over with a car or just treat them bad, beat them or whatever it is. How did you... uh, Did you find yourself in a situation like this? So somebody was really, uh, let's say, not treating the dogs gently? Did you find yourself in this situation? And how did you react on that? Well, we almost... (laughs) almost flew away from central mexico because we couldn't we couldn't um yeah there were three days in a row they were just so so you know like uh, emotionally draining draining because it was an area where there was a lot of strays and a lot of them were in bad shape and people were like chasing them away or like kicking them there was even police around that like couldn't care less about the dog that was next to them and stuff like that. And I ended up really like shouting, uh, yeah, not uh, not nicely in Spanish. Oluba gets quite <laughs> emotional with this. And you know, like when she raised her voice uh, against for uh, fully armed, fully mm. armed, you know, machine guns and stuff, I was like, okay, okay, just chill a little bit, okay? I know, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can see the point. But, and, but, but to be fair, to, to be fair, they at least ended up giving the dog some water. Yeah. So. Ah, okay. <laughs> After kicking. Really yeah, you, you can you can lead by by example in a way, right? Yeah. It's, it's something yeah. you talk about also in the chapter that children are are the future, basically. So that mm. you kind of wish to show people by staying in a place a bit longer how you treat animals to change the perception. Because that's really the root of the, the 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 problem, so to say. There's many, but uh, the the compassion and the understanding from people towards animals in a given country depends a lot on the general consensus of how you treat an animal in the first place. Uh, mm-hmm. Something exactly. that in in Europe, in you know, United States, Australia, countries around the world that are say more developed towards pet culture usually have a higher standard of compassion towards animals uh, disregarding the the whole uh, all the stuff we eat but <laughs> yeah for pet <laughs> animals um, yeah. that 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 seems to be a thing and so uh, did did you actually have a chance 
even the slightest, where you stayed in a place longer, like Mexico, to make a bit of a difference in the in the local community or or somewhere near where you were staying? Uh, not in Mexico. Not in Mexico. The place where we stayed there was quite isolated. Yeah. In the middle of the jungle, so you know there were like three. Uh, three, three other houses and and they weren't mexicans and they weren't mexicans <laughs> but uh in in peru for in, example in peru, those... for example like we stopped by a house it was one of the you know dry uh deep canyons and there were two puppies frying on the full sun like three or two in or three in the afternoon really hot no water no nothing Super skinny. Super skinny. So, like, there was this house. So, I just went around and knocked on the door. Two little girls came out, and I, like, you know, just asked them, like, yeah, these are your puppies, and, you know, is your mom at home or dad or someone? At that point, we spoke better Spanish. At that point, we already spoke better Spanish <laughs> than in Mexico. So, we could actually have a conversation like this. And, you know, we ended up, uh, uh, how to say it? Like leading the puppies to another place uh, near the house under a tree where there is shade, and uh, they we refilled the water, and you know like uh, the girls were uh, were really smart uh, and and very curious, and uh, so I explained everything. They need to have water, you know, when you are for a long time on the sun, you get thirsty and hot, and it's the same for them. So they need drink, and you know they need to. They need uh, eat as well. We showed them our dogs, how we they them look our like. Doggies, you know, we let them out so that, that they can meet them and, you know, play with them a little bit and, you know, see how uh, other dogs behave and how they can behave towards them as well. It's actually so. a huge adventure and advantage now that you mention it. That if yes, to have these two. Yeah, if you are a person who who is thinking of uh, rescuing animals along the way, or or showing at least locals how to treat an animal or a dog in this case uh, gently and kindly, and that they can be fun animals, it's a super advantage that you have because your dogs are totally accustomed to you. They will play with you. They'll be nice, and it's something that you wouldn't be able to show if there is just the dog that you're trying to to make better yeah yeah uh, exactly they won't be in that shape so you you won't be able to show that so that that's uh that's really nice and i think also probably lolo and five must must have been in some way understanding of what you were doing were they were they helpful in that sense like trying to comfort the the other dogs uh, I think they understand. For example, with that first one in in Honduras, they completely like understood what we are doing. They really didn't complain about no, themselves and, at all. And, and even with her, you know, they just went, uh, sniffed her, and kind of they really, you know, picked up on the situation immediately. Okay, I can see. I smelled you. I can see uh, you are not well. You are hurt. Think so. Okay, you need this trailer now more than I do. Mm -hmm. So stay here, be comfortable, and yeah, I will run, and then you can sleep here, and you'll be fine. You know, either either no like this, or then with the little kitten, at least they were like tolerant because that that kitten, after first day when she got a little bit better and was fed, she was like a 
like a little meowing beast that wanted to eat everything, <laughs> wanted to like play with everybody. She was like climbing on them. She really wanted to cuddle with them. And they were like, mm, you know, they are, they are now like older dogs. They don't really care too much about, about puppies or kitten. But they, they didn't try to do like to hurt her in a way, you know, like the dog could basically could, uh, could pick her up and just throw her around. But they were really patient. Yeah, they were really good. <laughs> yeah, great. No, it's it's really great. Actually, you are telling us a lot of super amazing stories of your trip and your rescues that you were around. Uh, I don't want to put it into number. Were they were they something like one of some of those massive ones? Were there a lot of them, or is just a few that you talked about and maybe a couple more? So there were really ma- a lot of massive rescues, or no? no there were three bigger rescues. The three bigger Honduras, and... uh, Chiqui in Honduras, uh, BC the the kitten in Peru, and the last one, the biggest one, I think, was in Bolivia. Uh, with us do we want to and before yeah, ahead, sorry. yeah and before they, we had one in in guatemala but that was really again like really Karma. really easy for us because we we found a puppy uh in the town where there was a market happening and we think that probably a cow stepped on her uh foot and she couldn't uh she couldn't use the the foot but it wasn't something too too worrying so she just needed some painkillers and uh, we were uh, we left our bikes with a with a local family that offered it to us because into that market you couldn't take the bikes with you it was just too crowded um and because they already rescued some some dogs from the street like six dogs in the backyard yeah they they basically agreed we we left them some food for her the painkillers some money and stuff but they they uh agreed to take care of her so that was super easy for us we really didn't have to do much for that but that was the start the start of the era yeah (laughs) okay yeah because the one in bolivia actually is the one that you're talking in the book so yes um, always his name pass pass perfect i would say that actually we can keep the story for the people that are going to read the book what do you think yeah we should we should should. yeah yeah yeah. we should we should keep keep something you know some cliffhanger but but you should you should all all of you should read that because that's uh, a true proof that miracles happen really big miracles yeah Yeah. maybe i'm gonna talk with you about that in the book because there were a couple of things that actually uh, let me think a bit more on uh, what usually happens with dogs in that part i think in places where there are a lot of them but as i was saying let's keep it for for people to read and anyways uh maybe we are going to talk about that on records another time yeah yeah <laughs> um no my last question and then i will open actually to belen and tristan as uh, or to you if you have any question but my last thing is that what's the plan for the future are you planning for something for doing something something like other trips maybe in europe for for this year and you're gonna do it still with uh lolo and phoebe and of course it's gonna be in the plan some other taking care of stray animals right yeah so uh this year basically just uh shorter bicycle bicycle trips uh, but definitely with phoebe and mm-hmm. lolo and then we'll just leave it to life, what it uh, brings to us during those trips. Of course, of course. 
you know, uh, we we learned recently that there's not much point in planning too far into the future. Absolutely. Is this for uh, for Frank? Think. Yes, that's uh, for I Frank. It. I dropped it. It's the last one. I don't have. <laughs> I don't have any other coins with me today, so <laughs> I need to put some mental coins after that. <laughs> We can we can pause the podcast. You can go to the post uh, yeah, office. Yeah, yeah, pick up some more. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's closed, but yeah, I can do. I can actually something like drop at the supermarket as well. They know me for this reason as well. <laughs> yeah, I I think the point you're making is great. It's something to take away from everything that happened. Uh, it's a bit strange though because so many bike tours rely on kind of a, a long planning into the future for those doing really long journeys. But nonetheless, you you start and you just see where it goes. Um, do do you have any like what I told you that we plan to go to the Balkans and to Greece and Turkey? Do you have any sort of planned or or, or countries that you really wish to visit uh, where you know that maybe rescues are going to be present? Oh yeah, I guess oh, from here to. To Asia and there, you know, like yeah, uh, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Turkey, Georgia, Turkey, yeah. there, and all the Stan countries, you know, like yeah. there's a pretty good chance, as you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, just... actually, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've been there, we, we spent a lot of time there, and it wasn't until our like two months in when we were done with the trip that we met the puppies. We yeah. we saw stray dogs, but they, like you say, they never really looked like they needed us. Or that they were mm-hmm. in extreme conditions. And also maybe it's uh, the culture that decides this. But because they have quite a nomadic culture in Central Asia, it's still prevalent, uh, at least these days. Um, dogs seem to have a job. a job most of the time. As in, yes. uh-huh. they uh-huh. mostly breed big dogs and the big dogs are there to keep the sheep. That's basically it. So uh, the puppies that they get are trained from birth on almost to live in rough circumstances at many thousands meters in elevation and uh, guard the the sheep or the flock or the cows or whatever animals they have um, for farming so it's a different kind of having an animal or companion animal it's not really a pet culture and like i said Mm -hmm. in tajikistan there was one pet store in the in the capital city I must say, though, that in Kyrgyzstan, we did, um, when we um, went back there to guide a a photography journey, we had the opportunity to go to a shelter, which is a rare thing there. And it's it's led by a woman. She's from Russia. I can't remember her name. It's quite a while ago. But uh, she had this shelter where she took in dogs. And it's something that... Let us know when you go there because you, you, you have to visit the shelter and at least know about it in case you do find a, a stray because she takes them in, tries to to help as much as possible. Or she And she gives the one that just wouldn't make it anymore because perhaps they're blind or they're missing a leg. Yeah. Yeah. So there there is some infrastructure, but I totally agree with what, what, you, what you're thinking. It's, it's a difficult uh, a difficult. Thing to do in in those places. I think it's also quite difficult to keep a shelter there because locals usually wouldn't adopt uh, such an animal. 
yeah. at least like what what we saw in in Latin America. If people have dogs, they are pure breed. Yeah, they would buy I don't know husky something. Yeah, but wouldn't really go into uh, adoption of uh, a street dog. Like there are exceptions, of course, and we met many people that uh, are exceptions. But most of the time, uh, general, in the uh, in the cities, if you would go, there are cities like Quito in Ecuador that have uh, um, dog parks. And if you would go there, you would just meet uh, pure breeds, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Uh, it's, a, it's a dark world we can venture into, but maybe for the, for the happy purpose <laughs> of the podcast, not, not a good plan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's... Yeah. it's, uh, it's really dependent indeed on if a country has a good sort of policy or culture or openness towards adopting animals, keeping them in shelters, uh, no kill shelters, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. To my knowledge in Kyrgyzstan is just, or Central Asia is just a starting thing and social media perhaps helps because people yeah. see how other people are treating animals mostly, how the internet makes fun of cats and dogs and yeah, how it's usually just regarded as uh in a nice way so maybe it's changing did you notice any change over the last few years since you're kind of on this side of the of the 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 the, the, the side of cycling did you notice any change from the people around you from people on social media or the just the the greater uh, masses of humans around the planet in terms of uh, like adopting, yeah, and adopting. Yeah, I think it's as it's as you says. It it really depends on on the region and on the local customs. Yeah. But but in general, I would say it's slowly moving uh, forward. That is getting wide wider acceptance, uh, and you know, like, and it's getting acknowledged that uh, you know it's something. Um, uh, that needs to be dealt with somehow. Uh, for example, we know a, a Polish couple, and they actually in Guatemala they organized a big uh, castration action for a whole village. Yeah, because and now I have to say it to put it into context, but because of the pandemic, okay, <laughs> they stayed. Let me find <laughs> the coin. No, it's fine. They... <laughs> They stayed in Guatemala much longer than they uh, than they planned because the the borders closed, and they actually used this opportunity because they were staying with a with a Polish girl who had uh, who was living in in Guatemala at that point for for many years, and it was a, a it was a tourist uh, region uh, where they had many um, many hotels and basically all these hotels um, went together. And with the help of this, uh, with this uh, Polish couple who suggested that, they organized big castration um, day, where people from the village could bring their uh, cats and dogs to have them to have them neutered. Yeah, that's yeah, that's super interesting. Something like sharing a bit more this part of the being used to staying with uh, yeah with pets in order to yeah to keep the situation a bit more uh, less savage let's put it in this way anyways i found the coin <laughs> <laughs>
Perfect, people. Then, yeah, I would say thanks, really, thanks a lot for for this conversation. It was pretty, pretty inspiring. And really, now I hope that everybody is thinking about getting, I don't know, getting out with the bike, even if they have, I don't know, dogs or yes, cats together with them. And I think cats they can ride bunnies. together. Bodies also, yes. <laughs> Chickens. Chicken, everything, everything. Chicken. Yeah, who knows? who knows? They can for sure ride yeah. together. And also on the other side, all of us who are riding the bicycle pretty often to keep an eye also on situation that can be a bit improved, let's put it in this way, taking care about strays that are there around, not only with the bike, even just walking, hiking, or even with a car, something like. Because I don't know, I don't want to be pessimistic people, really. And here I need to find another coin. But I have the feeling that with the situation of 2020-2021, a lot of people uh, took the a new animal, a new guest in their place. And I don't know for how much this is going to be something that they can really take care of 100% and not. So I really hope that the situation is not going to be back to when I was a kid, actually, in the 80s and the 90s, where people were just abandoning dogs on the road hopefully it's not going to happen like this but i have the kind of the feeling also on what i'm seeing around that can happen hopefully not and then all of us that are outside more than inside probably we can take care about this situation a bit more hopefully well said mm. stefano yeah. well said yeah. uh well everybody thanks a lot uh, do you have anything else to to add on any side well, I think that we can take this opportunity to thank Lubantom for their participation in 50 Ways. Uh, Pleasure. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have been the same book without you guys. So we are so, so <laughs> glad. And I think, Stefano, I think we already told you before recording this podcast, uh, I think last week, we said, yeah, we, uh, we, when we did the initial calls with everyone involved in the book, the longest call was with Lou and Tom because, yeah, they took the time to explain in detail how all the rescues went and just like the whole process. We were taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was just so inspiring. So we we are just outrageously happy that uh, that they were wanted to to be a part of this book and that they made it inside uh, chapter fifty for the ones just opening their copy. Uh, it's so so worth a, a read and yeah thank you thank you so much and i would say as well Thanks, that guys. luba and tom you made it also on the cover page so people oh yes oh yes, so, oh, yes. we didn't even talk about yes that. the cover page <laughs> that's right the first oh. photo the first section on top of the cover page is actually you with uh, so you're number one after all yes you are you are <laughs> <laughs> No, but really. Uh, how did you call it? The Salty Hara or something like this. But your photo on the salty desert with the Lolo and Phoebe with their awesome and stunning glasses. It's just mm. great. It's just amazing. Well, really. Yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot, people. It's super inspiring. And ah, I just want to ask you one thing. Can you tell us your social media, I think Instagram, when people can actually follow you and follow your adventures? This is super important. Yeah, so it's step out and explore. And you can find us like this on Instagram, Facebook. Our website is .com. 
And basically, what I wanted and to say, and YouTube as well, and YouTube, yeah, but no, we need to be more active. <laughs> um, and I wanted, I wanted to say that if anybody, anytime, needs help with uh, with rescuing or any any advice like that, for example, if they could use us while we are not on the road at this point for googling stuff, because sometimes we don't have enough um, enough coverage, enough data, things like that. Uh, just feel free to get in uh, touch. Yeah, to get in touch, and we'll do what we can. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Yeah. M- nice maybe guys. await a message from us this yeah. summer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll be in touch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and if there is one more thing I of can course. add for for the finish, I think with Luba we were just talking last week between the two of us that if someone was to ask us what was the best thing that we've done in our life so far. Yeah, in our life, you know, like the, life, not only the trip, mm. but <laughs> it would be it would be actually helping the dogs and it would be actually that rescue that you, you will find in the book yes that's so great because that's really that, that's a miracle that's awesome what a cliffhanger <laughs> i gotta read it again now right <laughs> well people i would end it in this way please people step out and explore i will talk to you super soon people <laughs> all right bye yeah bye. bye guys Oh, yes, really. Step out and explore. That's the only thing that is coming into my mind at the moment. Thanks, Luba. Thanks, Thomas, for taking care of this conversation and giving us a lot of inspiration about traveling with all our pets, whatever they are. And as well, we will know a bit more in the future how to behave when we find uh, some strays or, yes, basically some strays, some dogs, and any kind of animal that and pet that is in the need of some help outdoors especially when we are on the bike when we are on the bike we actually really have the pace of nature for this reason we need to take care of it as much as possible thanks a lot for listening till here remember if you want to support me go down you will find the coffee uh, account and then you can really drop some coins to keep this podcast independent. And remember as well that another little help comes from your subscriptions, comments, rating in all the platform where you are listening to this podcast. I mean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, what else, Spreaker, whatever is there, whatever you like. This will give me a huge help. Like a huge help also was given to me and all to you as well from Komut, who gave us the opportunity, gave me the opportunity of getting some support and also some guests and also probably some of the best maps there around. Remember as well, if you go to komut.com slash G like Greenland, you will write there also Broom as a code and kind of offer code and then you will get an extra free region to get everything that you are really in the need when you are getting all the maps on your account. I mean, turn-by-turn navigation, offline navigation, and everything related to that. Thanks, Komut, for supporting me in this adventure. And I want to tell you as well that last weekend I met Tristan and Belen finally in person. They are starting their huge trip, their amazing trip that will bring them from the heart of Europe, like we like to define ourselves here in Switzerland, till the south of Europe probably Greece. Follow them in their uh, social media account. Everything is down in the description below and uh, you will know more and all the updates. And remember that you can 
by wherever you want their 50 ways to cycle the words book where you will find on the main page in the front page also this amazing image of Thomas and Luba with Phoebe and Lolo on the salty desert it's just beautiful this photo uh, and also you can listen actually no you can read because you didn't listen you can read the amazing story of the rescue of the yeah of the dog on their way to South America I will talk to you next week I hope you enjoyed and keep on exploring <laughs>